That's the sound of New York pouring its heart onto frontline workers at 7 p.m. every night. Thanks to Penny for sending that in. I've been wanting to write a book for a couple years called Things I Do When I'm in Pain. And I thought, how about now? So this is what you're getting. I'm going to condense years of learning lessons, self-help fatigue, shysters, false gods, sleazy gurus, amazing shamans, euphoric meditation, ecstasy, tantric simplicity, common sense, and all that. I I got it in a list of, uh, yeah, 63 things <laughs> that I do when I'm in pain. Okay, ready? Here you go. Uh, this is for you. It's for us. It's for doing everything we need to do to be well and radiant and create systems that support our wellness and our radiance far and wide. First thing to do when you're in pain, continue to be kind. When you are your lowest, your darkest, your snot crying, most pressured, and you can reach in and pull out some kindness, some love, some cordial greeting, some grace, some grace, that's grace. For some other person, you're going to feel like a superhero. You're going to be like, damn, I'm amazing. I'm a mess. And I'm still managing to be a good, lovely person. Yeah, that's grace. You got it. Okay. Two, you got to smile. <laughs> I know this may sound like a big, gross bypass, but smiling affects your brain chemistry. It's proven. The brain chemists proved it when they smiled. Um, and then that fake smile can turn into a real smile. I don't want you to fake smile. I just want you to practice when you're praying, when you're meditating, when you're doing Netflix, just bring up the corners of your mouth just ever so slightly. Do it right now. Close your mouth. Don't smile. And just have a smile inside and then just let it come up to your mouth. Just like shifts things ever so slightly. It just creates more possibility for some joy to come in. Okay, uh, when I was in the dregs, I created notes of positive things. I kept notes on my phone of beautiful, encouraging things that other people were telling me. And it could have been a note from my psychotherapist, could have been one hilarious, smutty thing from a friend. It could have been something I read from a wise elder, and I would go back to those things. Sometimes when it got worse, I would go to my notes on my phone and be like, ah, oh, she said that, and he said that, and oh, I remember that. And it was his medicine. Pema Chodron was a huge help for me. Uh, the wisdom of no escape and the idea of just entertaining your suffering, of not resisting it and letting it teach you what it's come to teach you. So powerful. Number five, talk to yourself like you would talk to someone that you loved. Talk to yourself like you would talk to a friend. And that means you give them a lot of room for doubt. You give them a lot of room to mess up. You don't go harsh. You don't go hard. You're just like, 
maybe you'd like to consider, you know? If you can't relate to that analogy, talking nicely to a friend, what would an angel tell you to do? Just some glorious, daphnis being from on high. How would she speak to you? Remember the definition of compassion, to be concerned for one's suffering. Be concerned for yourself, not worry. Just loving attention. Okay, number seven, fucking fake it. I don't recommend it on an ongoing basis. That's called spiritual bypassing. It's actually incredibly damaging. But once in a while, when you are in the depths of it, you're going to have to put on your white shirt and you're going to have to go out. Maybe right now it's just on Zoom. And you're going to have to tell everyone that everything's good because that's what care is that day. That's the most compassionate thing for you to do is just stay in that container. Everything's good. And just deal with stuff on your own. Faking it can be like super helpful. It's actually a form of strength. Not all the time, but just once in a while. Okay. Make a list of when you feel good. Make a list of when you feel good. Here's my list. So again, most of my notes for the purposes of navigating this worldwide transition into a greater, more inclusive way of being. Most of my notes are coming from the dark night of my own soul. This was a list I wrote. (laughs) It goes full circle. Things that make me feel good. Monday, helping others, being around suffering people. Because it helped me feel more sane. Somebody else is suffering. Grasping for love. That actually made me feel better. Just reaching. Where could I find it? I felt so desperate. But just looking to find love from wherever I could find it actually felt like some form of self-agency, grasping for love, grasping, there's a lot of grasping, grasping for certainty. Yeah, kind of a crazy exercise because everything's uncertain, but it actually made me feel good. So I did it. What do I know to be true? There's lots of things I know to be true. Okay. So I had two lists. Make a list of when you feel good, right? And then make a list of what makes you want to barf. (laughs) It's a really deep self-help, but This was my list on this particular day of hell. I want to barf when I shop for things I don't need and when I'm around suffering people. It's so fascinating, right? That it felt good to be around suffering people because I didn't feel alone. It also made me want to barf. Yeah. Hey, in it together. The ninth thing to do when you're in pain, worst case scenario. Huge fan of worst case scenarios. I'm going to talk more about it in some future chapters here. But hey, listen, you know, you get down to can't pay my rent. I'm going to be living in a small one bedroom apartment with parquet floors uh, by myself. It's not the worst thing. You're going to be able to handle it. You'll find money. You'll find a job. Something like I find it so liberating to come up with like what's what's bottom of the barrel possibility. And then I can plan against it. I know it's not going to get that bad. And if it does, I'm still going to make it. Number 10, sob. Just sob. Cry like no one's ever going to hear you. Cry like God is listening. Cry like it makes a difference because it does. Yeah. (sighs) 11, have faith that your best ideas are yet to come. I had a really rough time on a trip that I took to Bali. You know, everyone talks about Bali. Bali is being, you know, it's paradise. It is paradise, and I'm not refuting that. But there's something about 
Bali's energy and me, that just didn't mix. And it was a super cursed trip. I'm kind of willing to go back again. But I got into a motorbike accident and I just, it was dark and funky for me. And I'm not good dark and funky. And I was there for about three weeks. Felt really a kind of cloudy despair that I couldn't shake. And I noticed that I'd, I wasn't having any creative ideas. I wasn't waking up in the morning with thoughts about what I was going to make in any regard. And towards the end of the trip, my ideas started to come back to me. And that's when I knew I was going to be okay, that I wasn't going to take this funk factor from Bali back home with me. So whenever things get a little bit shadowy for me, I just anchor into the faith that my good ideas are going to return and my best ideas have yet to occur to me. Number 12, sweat it the fuck out. You've got to get the endorphins moving, jumping jacks, twists, a couple sit-ups. It's going to be the last thing you want to do when you're walking through hell, feeling like you're wearing shoes of cement, but you got to move your body. Just If you can evidence your physical strength, it's going to tell your psyche that there's some strength to draw on for your psychic things, you know? Dance. Dance for you. Dance for God. Dance for the planet. Dance it out. Dance it up. I'm going to talk more about where to direct your pain, but shake it out, disco it out, rock it out. Yeah. Number 14, let shit go. It's why we're here. All pain is something that needs to be released. It is the condensation, the compression of an illusion that you are not well, that you are not connected, that there isn't a solution, that you're not a divine child of God. Where was I going with that? Yeah, let it go. We'll talk more about letting it go. This is really all about letting it go. Number 15, things to do when you're going through hell. Don't take anything personally because you're going to be so prone to taking anything personally because your pain, your fear, your anxiety, your shame, your terror, because it's coming up, you're bringing it to the surface. It's going to look for things to cling to, to validate itself. It's not going to want to move. So anxiety is going to come up and you'll be like, oh, there's a situation I should be anxious about. New person is going to come into your life and be like, oh, they're out to get me. No, no, no. Just don't take any of it personally. Your feelings are your feelings. It's got nothing to do with somebody else's shit. Just take responsibility for your own shit. It's like, this is me. This is the lens I'm seeing the world through right now. It's not you. This actually, all this stuff works for any time of day. Number 16, ask for help. Part of being in hell is that you feel like nobody's ever been there before. You don't want to drag anybody down with you to come and get you. Nobody could possibly understand the character, the sensation, the, the texture of your very private particular pain. It's probably true they can't, but they could relate to it on some degree. So we're reluctant to ask for help. And we're embarrassed. We're ashamed of our shame. You must ask for help. 
Ask for people to listen. Ask for people to babysit your kid. Ask for people to loan you the money for therapy. Ask for the soup. Ask for help. And you know what you're going to find? It's an honor for people to help you. They want to help. It makes them feel more alive and stronger and more loving and closer to you and closer to God to help you in any way that you require. Yeah, ask for help. You know what else you can do? You can offer help. You could be in the shittiest of shits and just volunteer to help someone ease their suffering. Whether you're becoming a crossing guard with kids or you're going to work in a soup kitchen, so life-affirming for you to exercise your love and your compassion when it's one of the things that you need most from the world. Give it. Jumping in with a public service announcement here. I'm changing the way that I do business in response to these amazing times. I am moving all of my digital products onto a pay-what-you-wish model. So that's all of my meditation kits, my digital books, the Desire Map, White Hot Truth, every single one of my audio courses, my really gorgeous guided reflections. Pretty much anything that you can download is now pay-what-you-wish. Yeah, I've been wanting to do it for years. Head to daniellelaporte.com slash wish. Okay, this is a big one, number 18. The compassionate response, making a habit of the compassionate response. So every time you are feeling your shame, your terror, your fear, your embarrassment, your constriction, your immediate response is to be compassionate with that. Of course you're feeling that. Oh, look at you, what you're feeling. Oh, you must be hurting. Oh, you're hurting. So the tone that you take with yourself is always loving and understanding. You feel rage? It's okay. You feel despair? It's okay. You feel ashamed? You feel less than you're criticizing yourself? It's okay. You just hold yourself. Immediate, compassionate response to every single one of your feelings. Even the dark ones, the destructive ones, the damaging ones, the things you would never want to tell someone else. Immediate, complete compassion to everything. It's possible. It'll change everything. And be kind to your loneliness. As I said, you're going to feel lonely when you're in hell. That's the nature of hell. I'm alone here and this is never going to end. That's really the hell itself. Just be kind to it. It's part of the human journey. Everybody lonely sometime. Number 20, keep in mind, you are a light worker. If you have shown up in this time of global struggle, it's been going on for a long time, you're a light worker. Everybody is, just not everybody, picks up that sort of light. You have avowed yourself to the light. Your job is to look for the light everywhere, to ceaselessly search for beauty. Beauty in the darkness and the pain in your neighbor in your backyard. Find the beauty in your kitchen. Find the beauty in your eyes. Look for the light everywhere. Number 21, one of my favorites. Create a goddess group. I'll tell you the story really quick. It's about 11 years ago. Friend of a friend says to her, hey, let's just have some women together in my living room. You know cool women and I know cool women. If every one of us invited a cool chick, we'd 
have quite the gathering. Everybody just bring potluck. I hate potluck. And there was a snowstorm that night. Five of us showed up. I had my baby in tow and a bag of tortilla chips. And that was 11 years ago. And we meet once a month, no matter what's going on in our lives. And no matter where we are in the world, one of us Skypes in from Kenya. We've been through everything at this point together. Yep, you don't need to know who the goddesses are to wrangle them together. 22, make future plans. I am a dark night, still planned the beautiful wedding I will have someday. I still plan the garden that I am planting now. I planned for the success that I am experiencing and growing. I made plans from the depths. Plans backed by faith. Keep dreaming. You will walk yourself into that future. 23. Ask people to pray for you. If you're here, it's highly likely you know the power of prayer, of stepping into that unified field with group determination and putting our attention in the direction of love and healing. That's power. That's how we manifest prayer. Ask people to manifest on your behalf. Yeah. They'd love to do it. 24, shower as soon as you wake up. Not just to be clean. Hygiene is such a beautiful thing. But you want to shake off the residue of what you have been processing in the night. This is energetic hygiene. Number 25, keep in mind that most of social media is probably a lie. Not everybody is that happy, that well-coiffed. That prayerful, that glowing, or that organized 24-7. All right, so just keep that in mind. It can be inspiring sometimes, but not so inspiring if you're comparing yourself to everybody else. 26, have someone read to you. Mm, I asked a friend to read to me on my dark days, so healing. 27, call your mother. Call a mother-like figure, although you might be in the in hell because you're dealing with your own mother stuff, but call someone near or far, dead or living, that gives you, that offers to you that divine mother energy. She has loved you since the beginning of time and always will. And her greatest joy is your greatest joy. Yeah. Number 28. This is advice from my friend Andrew, who's been very public about his struggle, his dance, his rising with suicidal ideation sat on my porch one night it was before i was about to go to the hospital and ask for some help and i said you know what do you do when you get to this place he asked me if i had a suicide plan which i did not i was like no totally not going in that direction but i'm thinking about maybe thinking about it someday he said all i had to do was commit to getting through each second and i was like that's it doesn't have to be the day i don't have to get through this day and glory. No, it could be 15 minutes. It could be intervals of just four minutes. Just get through the next four minutes. Just get through the next four hours. Just commit to getting through a chunk of time. And if you need to reset, commit to getting through the next chunk of time. It's a sacred container. You might want to create a devotional altar. And just flood it. Flood it with images of things that inspire you, people that you love, sacred objects, flowers, dolls, rosaries, stones, feathers, 
things that point to a divine order, something bigger, carrying you through joy that you felt before that you can bring forward into the future. Yeah. Along those same lines, symbols, tokens. I walked with stones and chestnuts in my pockets for three months when I was going through my rough time. And I just rubbed them to remind me that nature existed. That whatever made that rock and that chestnut made me too in all my perfection. Number 31. This might be tough. Mindful eating. I get it when we're in the dark. Chocolate chips and everything in between. But if you can commit to eating slowly, just for starters, just slowly, just being with the food that you're eating. You might want to go read Janine Roth's book, Women, Food, and God, Life-Changing. So just being in relationship to whatever it is that you're eating. And then if you have the capacity to put your attention on it, eating food that's good for you, that means a low-inflammation diet. So that means little to no dairy little to no sugar, and lots of colorful vegetables, lots of water, not just for your body, but you're moving the energy out. A little bit of salt throughout the day, moving the energy out, those toxins that are coming up in the form of emotions, you don't want them resting in your organs, yeah? Saying a prayer before meals and eating at regular times. Committing to yourself, I eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks at these times. Why are you doing that? Because routine comforts the nervous system. Because your inner child loves to know that you are taking care of her. Yep, we're going to eat lunch at this time. Oh, okay, I'm going to relax. Routine comforts the nervous system. Number 32. The desire map. You heard of it? It's a great thing. So... I'll give it to you right now, 20 seconds, I can tell you how to do this. Think about how you don't want to feel, yeah? And then what's the opposite? What are the contrast of those negative or restrictive feelings, okay? So you're moving into feelings that are expansive, lit up. They are highly likely values of the heart, like love, compassion, generosity, joy, all right? And then once you get clear on those core desired feelings, just pick one or two if you're you're really in pain decide what are a few things you can do that day to feel that way and those things especially when you're stuck can be really simple let's say one of your core desired feelings is connection one text you can send feel connected one prayer you could say one journal entry that can make you feel more sane yeah simple things you can do to feel the way you want to feel that day Your morning thoughts, number 33. The very, very first thing I do every morning, I had to train myself to do it. And the training came out of the darkest time in my life. I had to affirm that I am well and that I am grateful to be alive. I just give thanks. I would cue the infinite. I'm awake and I would say to God, thank you for an incredibly strong immune system. I am so grateful to be alive. I am so grateful that I can serve with joy. Guide me. That's it. I still say it every morning. Thank you for a strong immune system. I'm so grateful to be alive. 
I'm so grateful that I can serve with joy, beautiful double entendre there, and guide me. And then I usually just roll over and I snooze for a while because I am an Olympian at snuggles. Mornings are a very powerful time to make declarations. In kundalini yoga, that's referred to as the ambrosial hours. So the solar energy is increasing in the morning. Our mind is more spacious. Our body is relaxed. It means we are more receptive to higher guidance and that pranic life force pouring into us. Powerful time to give thanks and to make declarations and to set your intention for the day. Which brings us to number 34. My favorite number, by the way, 34. Vigilant thinking. This is warriorship. This is the work and light work. So own your thoughts. Your thoughts direct your feelings. And your feelings direct your behavior. And your behavior sets the course of your life. We've got to be vigilant about the thoughts that we choose to think. So I'm going to pull in some Course in Miracles here for you. This is great shadow work. Here's the refrain. This is the the exercise, the practice. You say to yourself, my unloving thoughts about blank, my unloving thoughts about this situation, this person, myself, this quality, my life, are keeping me in hell. Your unloving thoughts are keeping you in hell. So drill down a bit. Your unloving thoughts about what are keeping you in hell. And then you flip it and reverse it. What are the opposite of those thoughts? How can you create loving thoughts around each of those situations and scenarios? And that is how you move from hell into holiness, into expansion, directly into the center of your heart. 35, one day at a time. Pretty sure that's from the Buddha. May we be blessed with infinite patience, with the deep wisdom to just take one day at a time to accept these uncertainties one day at a time. There's going to be a new kind of uncertainty every day. And with that one day at a time acceptance and even embracing, we move into this rhythmic cycle of presence. I'm pretty sure that a one-day-at-a-time approach is the path to our higher nature. That higher nature that is always there every day, that is guiding us through endless portals, that is leading us to the most exquisite expansions of consciousness, one day at a time. 36, two words. Shadow work, getting in there, deep sensitivity, inner child, all the stuff that's in the basement of your subconscious. The pain, the fear, the shame, the terror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what's in there? Your unrealized, glorious potential. We'll keep that one short. 37. Aim for transmutation. You're not trying to just get out of hell and get better and get it back to normal and get back on track. Yes, you want all of that. But once you get back on track, you want to unfurl. This is about dying to be born. This is a rebirth, transformation. You're going to be a new person, new ways, new skill sets, new dreams, new capacities. Yeah, transmutation, pain into power, agony into ecstasy. 
Let me walk you through that one more time. Just, I really want to drive this point home. It's not about moving pain into good or stronger. We're not going from good to a little bit more good. We're going to turn that pain and we're actually going to transmute it into power, right? So this isn't just about going from agony to not in agony, agony to okay. This is about going from agony to ecstasy, agony into joy, despair into euphoria. It's possible. It's in your DNA. It happens all the time. We're built for it. You're going to do it. Brings me to number 38. All I got to say is you got this. This will end. Hold on to faith. This will end. This will end. This too shall pass. Hey, what a good time to have a grace moment. This is it. I know you've been waiting for it if you've been listening along with this series. Three steps. Be still. Receive. Respond. All right, here we go. If you're in a place to do so, close your eyes. Your breathing is natural in and out of your nose. Focusing on your heart center, your upper chest. Breathing, you're still. Now you receive the energy in your heart. You receive higher love. You receive presence, presence from within and from above. And you receive the guidance of your heart. Could be just this feeling, could be a word, a thought, a color. Let's breathe into your heart space. And now you respond to your heart center. You respond to that energy with offering a deeper breath, thinking a beautiful nourishing thought, or offering some gratitude to your heart space, to your higher self, to higher love. You could press pause now and continue to be in this space, or just take a deep breath Breathe, your eyes open, and we're back. Number 39. Think of emergency as emergence. A little cheesy, I know, but it's true. Number 40. Ah, love your sadness. Love your sadness because it's not going to last. When I was getting clear that I was getting to the other side of the hell that I was in, I remember saying to my psychotherapist that I was actually going to miss being in hell because in hell, I had never been so devoted. I had never been so fully and deeply in touch with myself. In hell, I was completely and entirely alive. My whole life was revolving around being more alive, and I didn't want to let that go. And that's my job every day, 
to live like I'm dying. Yeah. Does that sound morbid? It's actually, it's kind of ecstatic. 41. Super basic. List all of the things that you are still successfully doing. They may be very basic, so basic that they are embarrassing. Here's my list. Today, I danced at a Def Leppard concert. Today, I was kind. Today, I smiled. Today, I laughed with the guy who gave me my tea. That's it. Those were all my massive accomplishments recorded when I was going through my despair. Number 42, take it from my friend Chris, who used to be a priest, who sat with me on a couch while I was crying in the corner during a family friend Thanksgiving, and he reminded me that the dark night is when angels are closest to you, which leads me to number 43. There were times when I couldn't feel God anywhere, but I had to believe that God was everywhere, moving through me. God is everywhere. God is moving through you. Number 44, create a what I trust list. It's all falling apart. You can trust that you're going to still breathe, that the sun is going to come up tomorrow, that your best friend is going to make you laugh, that there's going to be food in the fridge. And if you can't trust that there's going to be food in the fridge, can you just trust that your best friend is going to make you laugh and that the sun's going to come up tomorrow? Do it. A what I trust list and make it long. Number 45, this is a quote from one of my favorite living mystics, Richard Rohr. We find God by peeling away ourselves. Number 46, how about tracking your sadness and anxiety? Fun. It actually works. It helps you identify when you're getting flared up so that you can approach those situations with more awareness or you can steer clear of them altogether. Here's my list of things that stirred up my anxiety. Sunday morning. I thought about talking to SJ. Plane landing. H being left alone at home. Remembering the first time I kissed SJ. Jane's voice memo. I'm worried about them leaving. I thought about taking a break. So those were the incidences in that day that created panic flare-ups for me. <laughs> this was another day. This was a typical day during this period of time. Monday morning, waking up. How did the universe start? Considered eternity. Thinking about God having me. I am so fatigued. Thinking about being grateful. His plane is landing. Thinking of the guidance counselor meeting. Thinking of his mother's death. Thinking about Taos and how close SJ and I got that week. His plane landed. He didn't text me. So yeah, all of those things gave me waves of anxiety or panic that day. And... Eventually, after tracking my beautiful waves of anxiety over a couple of weeks, I could see a pattern. I could see, I could see the relationships. I could see the dynamic underneath it. I could see the longing. Yeah. So, hey, have fun tracking your sadness and anxiety. Number forty-seven. 
works every time. Listen to some George Harrison, the albums he recorded after he left the Beatles. Beautiful, life-affirming, God-devoted stuff. Okay, number 48. This is a big one. It could clear it all up. Just be compassionate with yourself and keep in mind that we are undoing millions of years of conditioning. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Number 49. We're going to get into some more practical tools here. Breath work. Anytime, all the time, especially when you wake up and go to bed. It's a really powerful ally, especially during these times. Our breath, our breath and the awareness of our breath. The breath is the spirit that connects all of us. So when you've got intense emotions passing through your body and your mind continuum, just come back to the breath and align yourself with the cyclical patterns of each in-breath and out-breath. And you will experience a calm settling in your nervous system. I'm trying to talk you into it right now. Yeah, this is crucial. Attention on breathing, intentional breathing calms your nervous system. And the calmer your nervous system, the healthier our immune function. Yeah. Highly specifically recommend left nostril breathing. There's there's a methodology called alternate nostril breathing. That's not what you want. What you want when you're in panic, anxiety, emotionally crushing mode, left nostril breathing. Google it. Some great videos out there. Do it all day, every day. I do it. I still do it throughout the day. Okay, number 50, things I do when I'm in pain, grounding. Simply feel the earth under your feet. I will often find a tree just to align my spine with the trunk of a tree and feel the mother pulsing through nature and therefore pulsing through me. And I turn that into gratitude and thanks. Of course, that's if you are venturing outside right now, I'm keeping it pretty close these days. 51, bathing. Bathing as a ritual. Bathing to offer up your pain to give thanks for the distress being washed away. Giving thanks for the elements. I thank you, water. I thank you, salt. I thank you, plants, the essential oils you put into your bath. Thank you for cleansing me of illusions. Thank you for removing obstacles between me and the truth of love. Thank you for washing it away. Celebrate your body. Celebrate the elements. Yeah? Bathing. Essential oils. So thinking of essential oils as plant medicine, that every plant, every herb, every flower has its own personality of healing it's its own kind of medicine yeah and we want to be working with those oils inhaling and diffusing them to keep the energy of our amygdala at a minimum so we want to keep that energy kind of steady right less active our amygdalas are the greater expansiveness we're going to have greater expansiveness more peace all that essential oils and please, please, side note, be getting essential oils that are therapeutic and grade, not synthetic. Synthetic stuff is just toxic. Yeah, I use, I don't want to get into a debate about the best oils, but the oils that work for me that I feel are a match for my vibration, Young Living, Living Libations, and sometimes I use Floricopia, Young Living, comma living libations, comma, floricopia. I am not an affiliate. 
okay, hey, number 53, you knew this was coming, yoga, 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 but specifically warrior pose. Warrior pose is one, two, and three, those asanas. Uh, really helpful to get powerful energy going through your, your circuitry. So just, if you're, not, if you're not a pro, if you're not a beginner, just Google warrior pose. And you really want to grind your heels into the earth with this one and just feel your strength, right? 54, quick bursts of movement. When I was in the hell of the hell, I had to push myself. Sometimes I would sob while I was getting up off the floor and I would do jumping jacks. How's that for a great visual? Sobbing while doing jumping jacks. Just anything I could do to like shake off the agony and to remind myself that I was physically strong and that I could use my will to heal myself. Jumping jacks, move the energy, quick sit-ups, anything that's quick and fast to help purge the energy, that flight or fight energy that gets stuck in our solar plexus. You got to move it on out. Spinal twists, also really great. Okay. You've been waiting for this one. Number 55. I'm just kind of slipping this one in because this is the biggest and the most important. Meditate. My prayer is that 2020 is the year that everyone commits to a meditation or a contemplation practice, whatever works for you. But this is the year uh, that we put devotion first. And when we do that, life will support all of the efforts in our life. So many ways to look at meditation, different approaches to it. I think my favorite description of what it is, is that meditation is dissolving the invisible walls that unawareness has built. That's Sadhguru. He's a, he's a badass contemporary mystic. Meditation is dissolving the invisible walls that unawareness has built. And that is partly my personal approach to it. So I feel like, uh, it's not one of my favorite words, but meditation is like a, a spiritual hygiene. That gets the point across. I have to shower my mind every day to dissolve the residues of what I was learning at night, at night school when I slept, and baggage and resentments and fears, and just rinse that off and see what's underneath that and what's underneath that is always just that foundation of luminosity where I can see that I'm connected to so many other things. My experience has been that when you get into that meditative state, when you have a particular practice, and I'll describe my own practice, but when you're when you're practicing and you are dissolving those invisible walls, what you're going to find is that the only boundaries between you and joy are coming from your thoughts. That those, those invisible walls are thoughts about lack of deserving. All of the thoughts that you aren't able to generate joy. All the reasons why you think joy is not accessible to you in that moment. I'm suffering, so therefore I can't feel this. This is happening, therefore I, what is my right to joy? This is, we're in the middle of this huge world health crisis. How dare I? The ego will stack all of these reasons for you to not be joyful onto 
the foundation of joy. I tell you, you, you want to see your ego just start to, to quiver into dissolution? Just sit down on your, on your meditation cushion or however you're going to meditate. It's, it's a lot. The, e- the meditating is the last thing that the ego wants because it's the big hose down of, of illusions and obstruction to love. Yeah, the other reason, the other reason I meditate other than blasting out the obstructions to love is I feel that, I know that, I am opening the communication channel to higher guidance. I'm calling God, I'm calling the infinite on the telephone. And my approach is, I'm, I'm more of a visualizer. Like all of the meditation kits that I've created myself, I work with an energy healer and we co-produce these meditation visualization experiences. And I spend the majority of my meditative effort, meditative time in a visual context, these, these containers. So like, for example, with the earth adoration meditation kit that I have, what you do is you enter into this space. You're visualizing that you're in space, that you're a being of light, and you, you bring in all these other elements. And then you visualize Mother Earth in front of you about the size of a, of a soccer ball or a basketball. And there's all these other elements that get woven in and frequencies of light that you work with, etc. But you are fundamentally visualizing pouring particular colors and energies onto every element of the Earth. It's highly sensual. It's very vivid. So for me, that is my seva. That is my way of being of service. And making that service the priority, then I get the extra benefits where I am also cleansing my energy bodies. I'm getting out any kind of funky debris in in my thoughts that day. And I am opening myself up to higher guidance. It's like a triple whammy. At least that's how I experience. So if you can sit down to meditate and have that be your offering to a person, to Mother Earth herself, to a particular body of land, to a group of people, to a timely world circumstance, and you are just pouring your loving intention, your light of consciousness onto that situation with the energy, a prayerful energy that the highest good emerge, yeah? Then you get so many perks coming out of that. You're raising your vibration. You're dissolving some karma. You're also dissolving some negativity from your own system. And you are making it clearer for you to hear where life wants you to go. Everybody wins. So when I meditate... When I come from that place, I am not setting out to achieve emptiness, although I value that and I make time for that, and that's what every mystic advises. I do have other forms of meditation where I'm just cleansing, I'm just working with light, I'm doing breathing exercises, I'm working with a particular kriya or a mudra, you know, I have my a particular position that I'm sitting in that helps me do really specific things. And sometimes I will set out to just get into that zone of emptiness and absolute presence. And the way currently 
might not always be this way. I might become enlightened in this lifetime, though I highly doubt it. Currently, the way for me to do that is to enter into a pattern, a construct, a pre-created construct called a breathing rhythm or looking at a, a light source. It's just something that is rhythmic, paced, where the thinking mind settles because it's, it's following this beat and the thinking can dissolve so that I can become aware of my presence. It's not that the presence emerges. The presence is always there. You're just removing the obstacles to your presence. And then when, when I can get there, my experience is I am overjoyed to be in that presence. So what I know to be true for myself is that when I am facing my soul, when I look directly at the glory of what I am, my experience of that is joy. So when you face your soul, you experience joy. When you are aligned with that which is higher than you, aware of your connection to source, joy is inevitable. Another way to say that, when we're aware of our natural state, when we're being our truest selves, joy is the benefit. Yeah, it is our true nature. So whatever appeals to you, if I can just continue to preach, gotta meditate. There's no, there's no way around it. And I'm, I'm really okay with being preachy about this. It's like, you know, it, it's, it's like a functional MD saying to you, like, look, if you want to be well, if you, if you want to be limber and, and, and have physical vitality, these are the things you need to eat. And these are the things you need to cut out. If you want to be fit, you got to move your body. If you want to be awake and aware and joyful and at peace more often than not, you must have a meditation practice. If there's resistance to that, it's okay. The ego is going to put up a fight because meditation is the cure for so much. Then the next opportunity slash challenge is simply to find the form of meditation that works for you. So if you've tried something before and it didn't work and you're off it, find something else. If that doesn't work for you and you're not lit up and you couldn't commit to it because you just you, you didn't feel the benefits of it, then find something else. And if you keep searching and you haven't found it yet, then commit to one thing and push yourself through until you can feel the sweetness and the relief in it. Of course, I have things for you. I have the love and radiance meditation and the earth adoration, which I do myself three, four, five times a week. There's the creation space meditation. Just have at it. There are a dozen different free and very reasonably priced apps online that will help you watch your in-breath, watch your out-breath, focused on just cleansing the mind. There's an infinite number of visualizations out there, but you got to sit down and you got to breathe and you got to go in the direction of the higher. All the relief that we are seeking is in that ascension. All the joy that is our birthright is there to be found in the presence. And meditation is the map. It's the way home. Hey, I have a question for you. Just jumping in to ask, do you know that there is an ebook 
that goes with this podcast series, Grace for Impact. And the ebook is Pay What You Wish. I've got every reflective practice within this book. So it's the Cosmic Enchilada, a catalog of the healing practices, all of the prayers, the breath work. You can do it anytime on your own time. Print it out, read it on your Kindle. There's links to all of the meditations and the interviews that I reference. And the extra extra is that there's an extended version of all of the reflective writing questions that I ask you in the podcast. It's beautiful. It was the book I was planning to write in a couple years from now, but here it is now. Maybe when we need it most, head to daniellelaporte.com slash grace. Meditation and tapping. Emotional freedom technique. Check out the tappingsolution.com. I'm not an affiliate. I've done some work directly with Jessica Ortner. I'll link you in the show notes to a session that Jessica and I did on social. Tap you through the anxiety of these times. It works, really works to dissolve that tension. Number 57, you got to sleep. You got to sleep by 10 p.m. It's one of the most beautiful ways to nourish the overworked, stressed adrenal glands at this time. Stronger your adrenals, the greater capacity we are all going to have to be with all of the emotions that are coming up naturally. Got to make sleep the priority. Our adrenals need a lot of love at this time. Double down on the care. Okay, visualization, similar to but different than meditation. You can do this right now. Just close your eyes and visualize a scenario that you've already experienced of intense joy, fantastic happiness, memories of love from a previous time. These memories make you feel great. Okay, anything to boost the feel-good hormones, do it. So visualize the good times. And while you do this, invoke the elements. So you're having this great visual of a moment of love, of a great laugh, and you are giving thanks. So you're having the memory, and simultaneously you are thanking all of the earth elements that were present at that time. So you're seeing yourself laughing, and you're thanking the sun. You're seeing yourself in joy and ecstasy, and you're thanking the skies for being present and the forest that you were in and the earth that was supporting your feet, the ocean, the trails. Yeah, You bring in the mother into your gratitude of your past joy. You visualize it over and over again. Okay. In the same family of meditation and visualization, sound and mantras. Um, a few more. Um, one more. Gratitude. It's the greatest medicine there is. 
If you are in the darkest of the dark, there's always something to be grateful for. When I was there, I'd just be grateful for my teeth. <laughs> Thank you, God, for teeth. Thank you for air. I just, Sometimes I would walk, be around my house. i just walk through my house. I'd touch the walls. Thank you for these walls. Thank you for this orange. Thank you for this countertop. Thank you for my friends. I would name every friend. I would go through the memory just... Gratitude, gratitude, appreciation, thankfulness. It changes the chemistry of your brain. You think more clearly. You can choose more life-affirming thoughts that lead to heart-centered feelings. Yeah, gratitude. Okay, we wind down through the list of things I do when I'm in pain with prayer. Four kinds of prayer. Naked prayer. Naked prayer for me is not praying in the nude, although that is possible, effective. Naked prayer for me was really one of the greatest revelations of my journey into hell, which is I started to have the most soul-bearing and honest conversations with spirit that I had ever had. Prior to that, I thought that prayer was a kind of negotiation, that I needed to show up to spirit being my best self, my most earnest self, my hardest working, most spiritual self, my most grateful self, my most optimistic self. I was proving to God that I was good so that I could get that which I deserved the most. Doesn't work. It keeps you in a performance loop. It's a recipe for burnout. It keeps you separate from that which you want, which is connection with the holy. Yeah. So change my conversation to this is what I am today. And I'm ashamed and I'm afraid and I'm scared. And I'm having a hard time today even being grateful. I got more real than I had ever been. And that conversation, I still have that conversation some days. But that conversation evolved. It expanded to include a rapturous kind of gratitude that I had never felt. A gratitude just to be alive. I was so grateful for the primal basics. Thank you for breath. Thank you for consciousness. Thank you for my capacity to think. Thank you for my capacity to know love, to be love, to give love. The basics. The fundamental, extraordinary divines of being alive that I had never, with such depth and such passion, thanked God for before. Yeah, naked prayer. The Ho'onopono prayer, Hawaiian prayer, four stanzas, goes like this. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. You can direct that prayer to your inner child. You can direct that prayer to your past self, to your future self, to the mother. Give that prayer 108 times over and over again to all the elements. Sorry, mother. Direct it to the person who you perceive to have hurt you the most deeply. Direct it to your enemies. Direct it to other countries. Direct it to your immune system to viruses, to bacteria, to life itself. 
I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. The Metabhavana Prayer. I love the Metabhavana Prayer. This is the ultimate prayer in inclusiveness. It's the ultimate prayer of being heart-centered. It's three rounds. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be free of suffering. May I be free of mental anxiety. May I live in peace. May my life be blessed with ease. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be free of suffering. May you be free of mental anxiety. May you live in peace. May your life be blessed with ease. May we be happy. May we be healthy. May we be free of suffering. May we be free of mental anxiety. May we live in peace. May our lives be blessed with ease. All right, my friends, we can do this. We are doing this. In some other dimension, all this goodness is done and it's been realized. Stick around. The next chapter is going to be about epic forgiveness. I'll see us out with the Shanti Deva prayer. It's perfect for us to grace for impact. Here we go. May I become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those who have lost their way, a ship for those with oceans to cross, a sanctuary for those in danger, a lamp for those in the dark, a servant to all those in need. As long as living beings exist and suffering afflicts them, may I too abide to dispel the misery of the world. May I be a guard for those who need protection, a guide for those on the path, a boat, a raft, a bridge for those who wish to cross the flood. May I be a lamp in the darkness, a resting place for the weary, a healing medicine for all who are sick, a vase of plenty, a tree of miracles. And for the boundless multitudes of living beings, may I bring sustenance and awakening, enduring like the earth and sky until all beings are freed from sorrow and all are awakened. Thank you for being here. Thanks for coming together so that we can all grace for impact. May this passage gracefully lead us to one love. May this passage gracefully lead us to one love. May this passage gracefully lead us to one love. All right, loves, you know where to find me, daniellelaporte.com and all social media everywhere, ever. Questions and love notes can be sent to support at daniellelaporte.com. This podcast is skillfully produced by Kelly Winham. You can find her at Face for Radio. That's face hyphen for the number hyphen radio.com. And I give all thanks to Team D for helping me do what I do. I love you. And I love you too.